0: Well, good afternoon, everybody, or morning, or evening, or whenever you're watching this. because I know we have just a few that watches it live, and everybody else, you all watch it later on. It's like our daily mass a lot. Uh, We have over a 1,000 people watch it in a day, but some days there's only like 40 people watching it live, and so, uh, but we want to welcome everybody it's uh, good to have you here. You are anchored in hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards. So very first thing we do on this, the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter, is we pray. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Father, God of great love and mercy, we thank you for giving us your church that continues your salvation to each of us through the sacraments through our holy Father on this chair of Saint Peter, we thank you for leading us and guiding us, and keeping faithful to your promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We thank you, Father, for your love and your presence, and we ask you to send your Spirit upon us to continue to lead us and guide us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit amen. Well, happy feast of the chair of St. Peter. Uh, I got excited this morning at mass. I, I don't know if you saw, but uh, again, uh, I'm always a big supporter of our Holy Father, um, and so the chair of St. Peter is when we as a church celebrate the chair of the Pope, um, and that focuses on two things primarily. The first thing is uh, the unity it's found in the Pope and then the authority that's found in the Pope. And uh, so I was just saying this morning, as always, that we need to be people who uh, support him and pray for him, who obey him. Um, And I was talking about how I was with someone that was uh, debating and arguing with me this past weekend, and, you know, I pounded the table a couple times the way I normally do. And I'm just, uh, it makes me sad that... uh, So many people, as we always talk about, uh, fight against him because they don't like uh, what he tells them. Again, too many of us listen to people who tell us what we want to hear, and that's never a good thing when we're listening to people who tell us what we want to hear. The devil does that all the time. Jesus, his church, his pope always challenges us to the next level, especially when it has to do with love and mercy because that's who God is. And anything apart from love and mercy... Uh, is not in God. People might say, well, justice is of God. Yes, of course. But the justice has been fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. So our God, who is a just God, fulfills his justice himself with Jesus on the cross. So that's what we focus on. And that's what we have to give to people. Uh, By God is like, again, I told my father's story on uh, Saturday at the men's conference I was at, and as I say every time, I says, God in Jesus Christ gave us only one commandment, that we love one another as he loved us, period, for God so loved the world he gave his only son, so to save the world, so we must love the way Christ loved, that's his commandment, and then he forbid us to judge, and again, we Catholics are such great judges, including me, especially me, I get it, but uh, we always have to be called that this is what God is calling us to. And again, some people will just be starting and just happen to turn in to see this. And, yeah, we must judge actions. You bet you we must. But we can't judge people. We have to love people to get them to God and in his mercy. So that's all I want to focus on today about the chair of Peter because I want to focus on the reality today of on this Sunday, which is the 25th of February, will be our 20th year of perpetual adoration at my parish. And so we're going to have a little celebration. It's not going to be as, just, again, a little thing. On our 25th, we'll have a humongous thing, God willing. Um, uh, We'll have a big celebration, uh, only five years. Uh, Next month, I I turn 64. And so, uh, uh, God willing, I get to retire at 70, God willing. And I'm still healthy and everything. And... uh, so we'll be able to be there for the 25th, and uh, we're going to probably have more parishes by then. Who knows what God's will is, though. And then, um, uh, and again, when I talk about retirement, too, it's not retirement from priesthood. You don't retire from priesthood, but it'd be retirement from being a full-time pastor. I've been there 21 years, and I love it with all my heart. And, uh, but to be able to be on the road more, because like, like this march, uh, beginning t- uh, really tonight right after this podcast, my life becomes nuts, right? So um, tonight right after here, I'm going to drive up to Cleveland and then I leave early in the morning and, uh, and I go to Denver, Colorado. And I'm going to be at a men's conference, speaking at a men's conference tomorrow. So if any of you people are up in Denver, uh, come see me tomorrow. We're going to have a fine, I mean, Saturday I'm speaking. I'll be up there tomorrow, but I don't speak till Saturday. And then I leave there about 3.30 in the afternoon, and I get back to Cleveland at like 11.30 at night. I'll have a hotel there, God willing. And then I'll stay there, wake up early in the morning, come back to my parish to um, say Mass, And uh, hear confessions, say mass, and then celebrate our little celebration of food and everything afterwards in uh, the community center, and then I'll get back in a car, and then I'll drive down to Pittsburgh, excuse me, and on Monday morning, I leave for Orlando, Florida, Um, and I will be in Orlando uh, all next week at Holy Family Church in Orlando, uh, uh, doing a parish mission and it's 6 30 to 8 30 uh, every night and then I come back for our men's conference so we I get back uh, like at 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday drive back up to Erie uh, have the speakers dinner next day we have our men's conference and then uh, the next day Sunday um, I drive up to outside of uh, Toledo Ohio for a Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday parish mission and again that'll be 6 30 to 8 30 every night, and uh, for those in the Toledo area, I'll tell you exactly where that's going to be because it would be great if you're up there to come on up. Uh, if you're in that area, it's in Fremont, Ohio, Sacred Heart Church, Fremont, Ohio, 6 30 to 8 30, and that'll happen uh, not this Sunday but the following Sunday, and so. Uh, and then I come back from there, and as I um, as I come back from that, that'll be the eleventh, and then uh, the sixteenth. I have uh, we do our triduum, so sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, the twenty-first. I'm going down to uh, Faith and Ale in Fort My Faith Ale and Wine. I'm going to do an adult talk at Fort Myers down there. Um, in Fort Myers, Florida. I don't have all the information there, but then I come back on Friday, and then we go into Holy Week, or as I call it, Hell Week. <laughs> so, uh, Jesus called it Hell Week, too. So, March is filled with uh, a lot of stuff. So, I ask your prayers, please, while I'm doing all those things. Um, and that uh, I'm not, I, I don't get uh, burned out sometimes I do but the Lord keeps uh, filling me back up but just if you would so anyway I wanted to focus on adoration so 20 years ago when we started adoration in my parish you've heard the story before but I uh, as soon as I got there I always knew I wanted to perish with perpetual adoration why because uh, the Eucharist is Jesus right and again there's a, there's a very small history, I don't even know if this is in print because this was put out in, um, anymore, this was uh, printed, copyright 1997, <laughs> so almost, it was a long time ago when Perpetual Adoration, that was just a go, getting out from uh, Marian Publisher in Oaklawn, Illinois, I don't even know if that publisher exists anymore. But uh, John Hardin put out a little thing of the history of Eucharistic Adoration. And he talks about how it was, uh, you know, it was development of faith in the early church. The Eucharist was uh, uh, kept for people to be able to take to the sick, you know. So uh, if they couldn't come to mass on Sunday or daily, they would have the tabernacle there, if you will. And that was primarily for the sick. And then the the monks would take it uh, on Sunday and they would have places in their place. They could go to communion every day. And then it developed into, of course, the Middle Ages, and then it became all that we have of it today. Um, Always believing in the real presence of Jesus, you know, from the very early church. You know, again, we've spent lots of times on how we know that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. You know, again, someone the other day hit me with uh, one of my homilies, and he says, I don't want to be, you know, whatever, uh, offensive, but, you know, everything you talked about is unbiblical. And uh, again, the Eucharist is the most biblical thing that there is. I mean, honest to goodness, when the God of the universe becomes a man and he says, this is my body, and then, and again... Uh, fundamentalists will take the seven days of creation and absolutely be willing to die for it to god created the world in seven days and the genesis the first couple chapters is written by three different sources but that's all beside the point but when the god of the universe jesus christ the god made man says explicitly unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no life within you in John chapter 6 verse 66 when after he teaches this and he uses the word flesh sarks in the Greek and it, uh, his disciples leave him over the Eucharist or will you leave me too he didn't say no no I'm just talking about spiritual realities and then again in the early church uh, the first thing that Jesus does when he resurrects in Luke's gospel is he he uh, transforms. He has the body, blood, soul, and divinity on the way of uh, on the road to Emmaus, and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And the breaking of the bread is mass. That's the first thing Jesus does there, and then or one of the first things. And then we go to Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. The four early marks of the church. They dedicated themselves to the uh, teaching of the apostles. To the uh, breaking of the bread, to the communal life, and to the prayers. Huh? So they dedicated themselves to the uh, breaking of the bread, which was the Eucharist. Paul says again if you receive the Eucharist unworthily, you sin against the body and blood of our Lord. Very clearly. Uh, one of the earliest uh, church fathers talks about the real presence. We believe that it's truly the body and blood of Christ, of God. Again, the early church fathers complete agreement on that. Martin Luther completely believed in the real presence of Jesus, um, the first real Protestant, uh, again, being a priest. Uh, he believed in consubstantiation instead of transubstantiation, again, which we have talked about, uh, that God is truly present in the Eucharist, but they believe just during the, uh, when the community's together, we believe it's a, a God becomes, uh, takes the form of bread and wine and stays that way until the, the elements are no longer real. That's why we keep him, uh, and we don't keep God in a tabernacle, uh, God humbles himself to be there, but God is beyond all the uh, all the universe, and yet he humbles himself and makes himself present in the Eucharistic bread. Why? To be close to us physically. Now, of course, Jesus lives inside of us, but sometimes, you know, just like uh, if you're going to have a great celebration of... Uh, Thanksgiving, huh, and those times of Thanksgiving when my family are all gone, it's a sad thing, but I remember how much I would look forward to going home and just uh, looking at the turkey, you know, when you saw the turkey, we're all excited, huh, and it created a yearning to eat the turkey, and again, with the stuffing, I'd always go out there, my mother always, uh, come on, Larry, you want to taste the stuffing, and I'd always go out, and I'd always taste the stuffing. And she'd say, is it any good? And it was always perfect. And then, uh, so there was the anticipation. There was the looking. There was the watching. And then there was the eating. And then knowing that that which I longed for and that which I uh, looked at with such eagerness would come then inside of me and become one with me, right? Become one with the turkey, one with the stuffing. It became one with me because you are what you eat. And so how much more with God when he humbles himself and takes the form of a slave being present in Eucharistic species and we can be with him and then he feeds us with himself. We become one with him. And so the power of the Eucharist, that's why I wanted uh, so much for him to be in my parish. And again, as I've told the story many times, I asked the bishop at that time, God rest him, and he said, no. And I, I start building the Adoration Chapel. And I was just down in, um, told the story, of course, down in uh, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the bishop was there of Baton Rouge. Very good man. And, uh, you know, it's always funny when bishops listen to me speak, you know, they get, you can say they're a little uncomfortable sometimes. Because I'm talking about, uh, I asked my bishop, and he said no, so I start building the chapel. (laughs) You could tell, like, oh, here we go. Um, But it was, you know, we used it also as a daily chapel, so that was what it was. But again, I went to him, and he said no. And uh, I start building the chapel, and then I went back to him, and I said, Bishop, can we? And he goes, I told you no. And I says, okay. He said, why do you want this? And I said, there's two things for the holiness of my people and to close the abortion clinic. Oh, Larry, don't say those things. So I went back to him, and I went, and I took the miraculous medal, and I climbed up the high altar of St. Joseph, and I put it at the feet of St. Joseph, and I said, Joseph, the bishop said no, but I know you'll say yes. Let us start perpetual adoration. St. Joseph of the Bread of Life, of course. And so uh, I went back to the bishop, and I said, Bishop, I told you no, he says, and I says, I already asked St. Joseph. He said, yes. He said, I don't care. Who told you, yes. I said, no. So when he came and uh, blessed the Adoration Chapel, it was a glorious day. huh? And uh, the newspapers and that were all there and we have them out. We're going to um, have them out for the celebration at Mass on Sunday. One was um, uh, actually framed. But they said, why are you going to do this? And I says, uh for the holiness of my people, and to close uh, the abortion clinic. And so can we, can we uh, they said, can we quote you? And I said, of course. And again, we start praying on Ash Wednesday, February 25th, 2004. We start praying 24 hours a day that the adoration, uh, that the abortion clinic would close. And we start praying February 25th, and it was either July 1st or June 1st, I have to look, that they closed the abortion clinic. So however many months that is, February, March, April, May, June, less than six months. And so then uh, the newspapers come and said, Father, are you taking any credit? I go, of course not, but Jesus is. Of course he is. Uh, you can't kill children that close for the God of the universe is the most powerful powerful reality is Christ in the most blessed sacrament it just is and again I think that the problem is is not enough people have enough faith you know if you really believed that Christ was in the blessed sacrament you would spend time with him every day if you really really believed that that is God waiting for me in the Eucharist huh and so the power of Christ's presence, and again, when I was at other places, I was in uh, uh, Carmel, Indiana, years ago, and uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and it's still a great pra- uh, great place, and they had perpetual adoration, and when I was there preaching, and I was young in those days, I uh, still had dark hair, and uh when I'm, I'm sitting there, uh, every night the place was packed. It would hold like maybe 1,200 people, and we had 1,500 people standing in the vestibule every night, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And they had a, a school that was free. Again, I don't know any, if it's like this anymore. Uh, they had a clinic, a dental clinic, a medical clinic, free, free, and it's a very, does well, prepare, uh, well parish, but What I was most impressed is every time, they have a beautiful adoration chapel there with uh, the Ark of the Covenant, a replica of the Ark of the Covenant where is uh, like the monstrance is. And uh, every time I went there, the old uh, Irish pastor, I'd stop in there like six times a day one day and he was always there kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And the power that came from that parish was fantastic. Even that was my collection in those days for a parish mission, which by far the biggest ever was $33,000. Because I never charge for a mission. I just uh, uh, take a collection the last day, and whatever we get goes to the foundation. It doesn't come to me, so don't get excited. Um, And that's how the foundation uh, continues to do what it does. So it's just a... uh, uh, Fantastic, the power of Christ in the Eucharist. You gotta just know that, that if God is God, He is. If God is present in the Eucharist, He is, or Jesus is a liar. And He says, I am with you always until the end of the world, He is. That when we not only expose Jesus because you know it's a good thing to have perpetual adoration, that is not enough. We have to have faith in His power because again faith is what unlocks the power of the sacraments and if we don't have faith it can you know grace is still present and grace can do anything but it doesn't have the effect in our hearts and our lives and in our world that when we meet the reality of with faith so when you and I have faith as i've a million times have talked about the reality when you if you go out And next week I'll be in, uh, it's supposed to be all nice next week in Orlando. And I'll be out in the sun, 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 which we never see here today. It's a rainy day here in Erie. Um, But sun, and so just by being out in the sun every day, I will get a suntan or a sunburn, huh? Depending how much I get out in the sun. When you come into the very presence of Jesus with faith, you will get an S-O-N tan or an S-O-N burn. Burn. It just happens by being there, by being naked spiritually before him and having faith, you get transformed huh? To me it's the most powerful thing when we have the consolidation and merging of parishes here it's going to be announced on April the 11th uh, is when they're going to make the announcement, the diocese that the power of Christ in the Eucharist is what can really, uh, take us forward in the future, as long as we're not looking at ourselves and we're just looking. Okay, where is God calling us? It can be one of the greatest things ever—rebirth of parishes. If we really look at the power of Christ in the Eucharist, if we approach everything with faith, it can be the best time ever. But if we're just filled with, uh, which I like, I, I was saying to someone today, I was, um, I was getting discouraged. And it was interesting because a a young priest just wrote me a letter of encouragement and says, uh, we need uh, people like you who are already examples of evangelists to be examples of what it is to be both an evangelist and a consolidator. And that was like, oh, okay. That the devil likes to discourage us. And there is no discouragement in Christ. There's always hope in Christ. There's always, I have a plan. Will you trust me? And you got to sit there and start focusing on Jesus and have the faith that God can do anything and he will do anything and everything. And we got to just trust him. And I say that I sigh because I'm thinking of all the, you know, it's easy. I'm sitting here in a nice little place and do my podcast from our foundation. Uh, the reason for our hope foundation and I know that right now in the world people are dying in war and starving, and what a uh, uh, like a luxury it is, and how uh how sad I sometimes feel, even like when I'm going around preaching the gospel and uh what I love and but again, I often think about you know when they came and brought the gospel to america the the French martyrs or the North American martyrs they came and they had their fingers bitten off. They went to Rome. They went back to France. They got permission to say Mass with no fingers, came back knowing they would die. But they wanted people to come to know Jesus. And again, then I'm driving, I'm flying in nice planes. I get up because I'm a million miler and I'm a diamond flyer. And I get upgraded to first class. And, um, and I get to go and stay at nice hotels. And I'm thinking... I wonder if God sighs at me, because yes, I am bringing the gospel, but I'm doing it in comfort. The only thing that gives me comfort is that it uh, (laughs) it kills me, uh, meaning that it kills me, and I get exhausted. You know, and it's just kind of like, you know, some days. I went to confession last uh, last Tuesday a week ago. And the priest, I walked in, and he goes, "Oh, uh, well, Larry, you look very tired. I go, I am, but it's okay. And he says, your penance is I want you to rest. And that's a, that's a weird penance, huh? But again, no, the best place to rest is in front of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. He will refresh you. You know, when you come into the presence of Jesus, he can heal you. Sister Bridge McKenna, when she does a uh, a. Uh, a healing service she always has the priest bring out the blessed sacrament and all the healings take place in his presence and uh, when i'm down in orlando next week when we do the healing service which thanks be to goodness i just said that because i had most everything packed but i forgot the oil i have to take the oil down with me anyway um so, we'll have the oil from St. Joseph's Oratory, and we'll have Jesus out in the Blessed Sacrament. And it's not the anointing of the sick, and everybody's always concerned about is it anointing of the sick? No, 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 no. It's a sacramental anointing. It's the same as the, the blessing of throats at St. Blaise. And I explain that very, very clearly. Uh, sometimes pastors are always afraid um, that, would, you know, I'm very, we've been doing this for years. Trust me, it'll be fine. But the miracles that can happen and do happen all because of Jesus' presence, but it's so, so needed that faith is necessary there to unlock the gift. So I just encourage everybody, if you're in an area that has perpetual adoration, take an hour. If you're a man, do it in the middle of the night because it's, uh, you know, the saints used to say that's when lovers speak. That's when lovers make love. And so uh, it's the greatest intimacy to be with the God of the universe. And I always say men should do it in the middle of the night because the women shouldn't be out alone at night. Guys, you can handle it. And when I first started at the parish, I just said, would you do it for a million dollars? And they all groaned at me. And I said, then you better do it for Jesus, huh? So that's the whole reality. So I encourage you, please, spend time with Jesus. Get a suntan or an son burn. Be with him. The only way to fall in love with anybody is to spend time with them. The only way to fall in love with Jesus is to spend time with him. You got it? Get it? You're going to do it? Nature His love today and forever. Amen. Okay, this time we're going to start today with uh, some of the questions that came up uh, that people could I have been I have, I have so many, I haven't had a chance to get to them. So I will get to you here, but let's start here, okay? So uh, from Pat, regarding sin, there seems to be a gray area. in Matthew, Jesus says that when you look at a woman with lust intent, you already committed adultery in your heart. Okay, key words being lustful intent. So if I admire a beautiful woman, wow, she's gorgeous. As I might sunrise, a sunset, or a beautiful mountain vista, seeing the beauty of God's creation without lustful intent, can I assume I am safe? Of course you can. I say it all the time. You can look at someone and say, uh, praise God for their beauty. And, uh, but it's different if you take that and you think of every you know, sexual position you can have them in and it becomes a selfish act. But boy, you can praise God for their beauty and you can praise God. that You can see that. Another gray area which I wonder about. I am driving and see someone doing something I consider to be stupid. <laughs> I think to myself, you idiot. Why do they let people like him or her drive? i don't know anything about doing anything like that just so you know (laughs) is it a sin (laughs) judgmental it can be but again i have those every time i drive just coming up here oh my gosh Uh, again i think it's impatience and that the sin you can't stop the thoughts from coming i try you know sometimes i go okay god help me to be patient when i'm driving here today or even tonight when i drive to cleveland you know i mean ah and uh But it can be if you say yes to it and you go off on it. Yes, you can. uh, uh, If I yell to myself inside my car where no one hears me, you're saying, Venning, you idiot! If I cross the line, Uh, uh, we can. Uh, I feel confident if I pull alongside said person in traffic roll on, and say, you idiot, I've committed sin. You are correct into saying that. Judgmental and patience, maybe more. There seems to be a continuum along which thoughts, actions are non-sinful, but then morph into sinfulness. Hence my dilemma, gray areas. Where does someone cross the line? Now, the church has always taught everything uh, in great. There is objective... Uh, There is objective. Hear me say it again. There is objective, 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 right and wrong. Objective, evil. Objective, good. Ah, But remember the teaching of the church, like for mortal sin. Let's take it that way. (sighs) To have a mortal sin, you have to do three things. All three things must be present. Serious matter, full knowledge, full consent of the will. If one of those things are are not present, then it's not mortally sinful. It's still seriously wrong. You committed a, a heinous act, a heinous act but you might not be uh, morally uh, culpable for that, okay? Because, like, for instance, like, again, uh, serious matter, you miss Mass on Sunday, but you're sick, you don't have full consent, but you know it's wrong, okay, it was not mortal sin because you didn't do it on purpose. But let's say you decide to go golfing on uh, Sunday instead of going to Mass. It would be objectively mortal, except... You didn't know that it was mortally sinful to miss Mass on Sunday. Then it would not be a mortal sin. So the whole thing is gray, if you will. They're still objective, right and wrong. But how the person enters into that, they have to have all three things present. That's why you can never tell somebody they're in mortal sin. You don't know if they have full consent. You don't know if they have full knowledge. You know that they did a serious matter but you need all three of those things. And again, um, it's when we say yes to anything in our hearts that it becomes sinful. Like every day, I have uh, lustful thoughts, period. You know, I'm getting older, I have them a lot less, thank you very much. But there's nothing you can do in itself when a temptation, a sexual temptation comes. It's just either the world, the flesh, or the devil. huh? And so, if you have a, like I used to sit there and tell my boys, and I taught at the boys school, you can let a bird fly over your head. You just don't want that bird to nest in your hair, huh? So if you're at the beach and there's this beautiful uh, woman there and she has long brown hair, bright green eyes, a nice tan, a bikini or whatever turns you on, and uh, she winks at you and you do say, like you said there, Pat, praise God for her beauty. There's nothing wrong with that. Or if a sexual thought comes into your mind, you let it go. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when you say yes, and you want to spend time with that, and you want to nurture that. That's when it can become sinful, okay? Hopefully that helps. So now let's go back to the stuff here. Hi, Harry. Good evening. Hi, crazy lady. Susan, I'm sorry, I know your name. But anyway, I just love the lady is crazy how you have that handle there. Um, myself, there you go mmg i love how you guide us in communion prayer could you do something an act of contrition and you can always do something yourself you're always you don't have to ever say the act of contrition by itself you can just say god i'm sorry like every time i go not every time 99% of the time when i go to confession i just say my own prayer and just tell jesus i'm sorry uh, for hurting him for hurting others for hurting myself and asking telling him i repent i really want to do it his way instead of my way Uh, again, you can do it, but we'll see what happens there. Um, Okay. Uh, Hi, Father Larry R.L. I am 71 and being received in the Catholic Church at Easter. God bless you. Welcome. My first ever confession is this Saturday. I'm not sure what to expect. Help, please. Absolutely. I would encourage you to go to my website, The Reason for Our Hope. And uh, when you get to the website, I'm not sure if it's on our, I'm, I'm I'm yes I'm guessing it's on the app but for right now just go to the Reason for Our Hope um Reason for Our Hope Let's just do it this way it's easier to put Father Larry Richards <laughs> and then um you usually get one of the first things will be the Reason for Our Hope and then um why is it going right to Podbean? And so, once you get there, the reason for our Hope Foundation, and it talks about annual appeal. <laughs> if, you haven't, if you haven't appealed, please, <laughs> if you haven't donated, that'd be a good idea. But anyway, and then you go here, and then you go about, um, about here, and then we go to meet Father Larry, and that, no, no, right before that, you go, so about, about us, meet Father Larry, speaking engagement, upcoming events, sin list, and you hit sin list, and then it's the sins that need to be confessed, and it begins with A, and it goes all the way down to, what have I failed to do, sins of omission, okay, but it'll help you, give you something, so don't take that with you to confession, but it'll go. It goes through the commandments and some of the basic things that'll help you do that. Again, if you uh, if you've never heard my uh, talk on confession, just go and download the app. Our app is Our Hope TV, and put confession in there and listen to the confession talk, and that'll go through a very. Uh, all the things that need to be confessed, and a very thorough examination of conscience. So those th- two things will help you. But don't be afraid. Jesus died to set you free. So we'll all be praying for you who are watching here today. Welcome home. Uh, just let you know that this is your first confession. They will guide you exactly. Good afternoon. Hello, everyone. Father, will you be celebrating St. Joseph for the whole month of March? Uh no we usually have a triduum of uh, so three days we start on St Patrick's Day and uh, but again I always I celebrate St Joseph every day of the bread of life and uh, but the uh, we will have a big celebration you'll be able to watch I haven't got the speaker yet but three nights live streamed starting uh, March the uh, 17th So hello Yes, we saw you getting excited at Mass today. Yeah, exactly. Last week, there was a comment about uh, the, world detest, the word detest and the acts of contrition. Is it okay to escape the detest and now on the contrition? I love your 10 principles of the Lord's Prayer. Um, you have to detest sin because it, uh, it drives you from God and God hates sin. So yeah, yeah, you can say something in your own, again, you can say it in your own words, uh, but we should, I detest the sins, because uh, I, again, uh, the old one is because uh, I'm afraid of the fires of hell. It's not enough to be afraid of the fires of hell. you got to want to repent and to just please God. Uh, a pure act of contrition. Okay. One, about once a month, I end up getting a shade annoyed. Some people preach Lefebvre and criticize the Holy Father. Doesn't sit well with me in this old Anglican. There you go. Uh, I get Annoyed more than once. It's just, uh, that, you know, people kept saying to me on Saturday, I see we're pushing your button, Father. And I go, yes, I am a Roman Catholic priest. And I will die for the Holy Father if necessary. Again, I just, I mean, I, every Catholic should be this way. And it just, the people that uh, go crazy, It just like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Anyway, uh, but there are speakers out there who are doing it. And there's a lot of speakers out there, Catholic speakers doing it. And again, I always say it's because of their pride. Again, when a speaker, when we go around doing things for money and money alone, uh, that then pride swells up. When we think we know more than a church, pride swells up. And we just got to watch. That's why all the speakers I know and I always say, you darn well better be doing it if people can't afford you. You go in anyway. Never say, this is my fee. And if you can't miss my fee, if you can't make my fee, then don't be a speaker that's horrendous it's uh, it's horrible that people would say no you if I you don't pay me 3000 or 5000 or one guy asked for $10,000 to speak on the faith and he has absolutely no business speaking on the faith none zilch but he demands $10,000 and he gets it so to me those type people are selling the faith they're not uh, living it, and they're not uh, doing what God is telling them because they all those people that I spoke of, everyone that I know anyway that's in my mind at this moment are always anti-Francis, always anti-Pope. They want people to listen to them than the Pope. Shut up. Just shut up. You're leading people to the very bowels of hell, the very bowels of Satan himself. It's the pride. you got to get over that. You must repent. You must repent. You must repent. God wants you to be saved and come to the knowledge of His truth, and the problem is you think that you don't need to repent, and that makes it so much worse, so much worse. Anyway, and that's all of us. I need to repent too. Are you kidding me? But uh, we have to make sure that, uh, like, I don't. I better never do what I do for money. For goodness sakes, I'll go to hell forever. Anyway, it's always a temptation, though, big temptation. But again, temptation isn't sin. It's only when you give in to it and think that yes. I deserve the money. No, you don't. Preach the gospel at all times. Preach the gospel at all times. Free of charge is what St. Paul says. Now again, the Word of God also says the laborer's worth his uh, wage. Absolutely. But that's when they give it to you and they decide it. You don't tell them, this is what you will pay me. Please stop it. But again, how do I get off on these little tangents? I have no idea. Okay. How do I discern God's will for my life? I feel confused on what it is and struggle to hear God's voice during prayer. Two things. One, go to the Our Hope TV and I have a whole talk on it called Knowing God's Will and it gives very practical steps to know God's will. From that CD, I wrote a book called Surrender. So, the Uh, the talk on the app the app's free the talk's free just go there and it's called knowing god's will if you want to get the book you can get the book it's called surrender and again very practical steps in my my prayer experience i take people through is uh on that uh in the book too uh where i take you through it uh and it's a helpful reality so those two things but the best way for me to explain to you now is in his will is our peace that to do God's will, it'll give you peace. huh? So if you don't have peace, then you keep going until you hear peace. Okay. In the house. Michael Wolf. safe travels. I'm praying for you. Please, thank you. Make sure you know his love today and forever. Yes. I should have said former angling. And yes, I saw that, Harry. I just let it go. A greeting about the personal ordinance is uh, what we can use the Book of Common Prayer. Pope Benedict thought it was good. Of course, it's a good book. Yeah, of course. Praying for your safe trips, Father Larry. Thank you, Paul. Dad, for the life of humanity due to Adam's disobedience must make do with poor addiction of his full-blown love, causing uh, much make do with grief. There's still being time's end, sad, trend on. Okay. Hi, Father Larry. I'm enjoying your Latin guide. Thanks, Julie. Uh, make sure Paul does it too, would you? Just tell him I said he has to. Um, thank you for praying. I agree. You tell us to rest in the presence of Jesus, but may we sleep through the homily? <laughs> Only mine, Harry. If you can sleep through my homily, go for it. That's not how we say. You know, someone uh, who had not seen me in a while when I was in Louisiana, they says, Father, you jump more than you used to. And I, you know, do I? I think I've always jumped. That's how Father, Dr. Ray, makes fun of me. He jumps up and down and he starts screaming, Um and again, I get how that drives some people crazy. Again, one day I was driving somewhere. I was listening to the radio Catholic station, and I'm listening to this priest, and he's screaming. I'm thinking, who the heck is this nut? And it was me. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't recognize myself. And I thought, oh, I wouldn't listen to me. I wouldn't listen to me. I'm a think I'm out of my mind. Anyway, I get it. I get it. I get animated. I know. Um, I know. Uh, Margaret, our pastor just gave us her letting retreat on the saints Faustina, St. Saint Ignatius, St. Teresa of Lisieux, Blessed Michael McGivney. That would be fantastic. Good job. And again, saints are there as our brothers and sisters to lead us and point us to God. They're not there for us to be stuck on them. So it's always, even my greatest devotion, I guess, is to Our Lady and to St. Joseph, the bread of life i never get stuck on them i always know that they're always pointing me to jesus and they're giving me great example how to follow him but the way i'll follow them is different even like again when i was talking about visiting my great 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 grandmother 24 generations ago whatever it is saint elizabeth of hungary and Hungary, and i'm kneeling there in her presence of her uh relics and i got very emotional and i just says you know uh, she's such a saint and her whole thing was to leave everything and take care of the poor. And my thing is different. But I hope I'm doing God's will as she did. But I'm not called to be a saint like her. I'm called to be a saint like God asked me to be. And God asked you to be. You're all called to be saints. So again, to move on to the reality of what God is asking us. Mass Adoration Confessions, you will encounter the Lord with an open heart. Open heart, but you have to have the faith also. Very good. Blue eyes. Yes, yes. I have done adoration in St. Philip Mary in Charlotte since we started, and my best hours of the week. I'm uh, 09. I'm going to get you a mission here, hopefully. I'll be hopeful. glad to come down for a mission. Be still, Father Larry. Oh, it's almost impossible. I'm still in front of the Blessed Sacrament, though. Normally, it's the biggest thing. I can be still with bodily, but I can't always be still in my mind. So that's one of the things I... Uh, Hi, Father, Let hope you enjoy her well. Good job, Ryan. You do what your wife's doing. Um, thank you. Funny. Okay, so let's go back here. Uh, what are the requirements becoming become a Catholic priest? Well, you got to have faith. Two, you got to love Jesus and the church. Three, you got to get a, uh, an undergrad degree and, and a uh, postgraduate degree. Um, on theology, so you know what you're talking about, an undergrad degree in uh, philosophy, so you have, um, you can think, you know, so, uh, but you need a theology degree so you can, and so on scripture and different things, so you know the word of God and you spend time, and again, it's not an official requirement, but I remember when I was in Rome and I just sat there and says, and the Holy Fathers just put it out that now he wants all seminarians throughout the world to go a year of prayer, because, again, I told you the story that you can sit there and uh, go through the whole seminary. I went through seminary from 17 to 29 when I was ordained, and never once did anybody ever ask me if I loved Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? They take it for granted, but, boy, I don't take that for granted. Not even close. Do I love Jesus Christ? That should be the number one requirement for everybody who's a priest. Not just do I love Jesus Christ, but do I love his people? Uh, Do I want to do everything to bring them to salvation? And again, uh, that got to be our goal. There are days I don't want to bring anybody to salvation. I'm too tired. (laughs) I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. I just, uh, I don't know why I told you that, but it's just the reality. Um, But again, it doesn't matter whether I'm too tired and whether I want to or not today. You just do it because that's what you're called to do. So... Again, it's part of the reality. So hopefully that helps. Uh, Oh, there you go. Good job. Tim says, the best phrase I have heard concerning temptation to sin. Temptation is the invitation to sin. Just don't, make sure you don't RSVP. There you go. Unless you say no. There you go. Okay. Let's go here. Oh, here we go. I've answered this one many times, we'll do it again. My family and I will soon be losing our furry family friend, our dog, Taser, to lymphoma. Very sorry. My question is, do dogs go to heaven? This loss is going to hit us hard. I just need to know what to tell my kids and my heart. Thank you, Tori. Tori, I have lost a bunch of dogs, and it's the hardest thing ever, uh, ever. You know, and so... Uh if you ever, Father Mitch Pacwa at EWTN will absolutely positively say, no way do dogs go to heaven. St. Thomas Aquinas said they would go to a dog heaven, if you will, because every soul has come sign a thing. I believe they go to heaven. Why? Because God, if heaven's everything it is, God's gonna, uh, all the people you love will be there, you know, and, and some, again, free will, you get all that stuff. But uh, God, uh the thing that gives you joy on this earth. God can perfect that. Again, we don't know one way or the other. But I have always said, you know, my dogs, when I die, and the Lord, please, I get to go to heaven, that he's going to bring my dogs with me. You know, if that heretical, sorry, I have a guess I would be that way. and But to fight over such things when people sit there and say, Father, you're leading people astray, am I? It's not been dogmatically defined, as far as I know. Huh? The Holy Father, Pope Francis, someone asked him, and he said, yes. So I go after the Pope. Sorry. Okay. And Father Lay claims that church can change your teachings. If I'm wrong, correct me about things like eating pork, changing Sabbath to Sunday, and circumcision. How do we reconcile the church has yet to change her teaching about homosexual marriage? Well, the church can change its teaching, but it doesn't mean that it has to change its teaching or it should change its teaching. Um, The reason homosexual marriage, and again, people can be, two men or two women can be madly in love with each other. But love needs to always have the reality of uh, being life-giving. So the very act itself. So if a man and woman have sex, that's why it's so important that it's open, always artificial birth control is not used, that it's open to God's will. The very act, like good kids used to come to me when I was teaching at the boys' school, and they'd say, Father, there was a mistake. I said, what's the mistake? My girlfriend's pregnant. And I'd say, oh, son, that was not a mistake. Everything worked the way it was supposed to work. When the loving act comes together if it's open to life then eternal life can come from that act if two men come together if two women come together it can't bring forth physical life or spiritual life for that matter now again just because the church can change its teaching it has to only change its teaching if God is leading it that excuse me leading it that way and Pope Francis, who's one of the most open popes of anybody, and all the popes have been open different ways. He deals with it more pastorally than other popes have. But he even says we can never bless the marriage, if you will, quote unquote. So yes, we can change the teaching of the church, and we have. But some things uh, God doesn't want us to change or allow us to change. That doesn't mean that... Um, God doesn't love people, but, like, again, teaching of the church, if you have sex before marriage, a man and a woman, it's, you know, I always say that gets you to hell just as fast as two guys having sex or two girls having sex. You know, again, we pick and choose. Missing mass on Sunday is enough to get you damned forever. Getting drunk on purpose is enough to get you damned forever. There's lots of things to get you drunk and damned forever. We just uh, pick and choose who we decide to hate and not hate. But the reality is we must love everybody, period, comma, end of all paragraphs. And love means you're willing to die for them, huh? So, again, but it doesn't mean we agree with them. Like, you know, this past uh, or last week or whatever, when the the transsexual, that big uh, funeral happened in New York City at St. Patrick's. Um, If I didn't know, because we're the same type of people that we... uh, we'll accept anyone at my parish, but if I went out there and I just saw what they were doing, I'd have thrown everybody out, you know, I'd say because respect goes both ways, you have to respect what we believe, and that means you honor it and respect it, you don't make a mockery of it, not in my church, where I am, my parish, so I would have thrown them out if they would have been disrespectful, I would have gladly, gladly, Buried her, buried him, whatever he or her was, buried them with a mass. But I would not tolerate any disrespect at all. I wouldn't let anybody get up and talk what they did. Again, uh, they didn't know. I mean, uh, the cardinal came out and said he doesn't know and all that stuff. But respect goes both ways. I will let you come in. I will accept you as you are. But if you're going to ask for the church to do something, then you're going to do something the way the church uh, requires it. The church doesn't bend its law for the world. The world has the very first word ever out of Jesus' mouth publicly was repent. Stop doing it your way and doing it God's way. So when the church is hopefully always listening to God, And listening to what God is telling us. So God, the God of the universe, loves everybody and wants them to be saved. So we meet them where they are. But meeting people where they are doesn't okay where they're going. We're always trying to get them to get into the will of God. Because repentance is something that's very necessary. You cannot follow God and do it your own way. And that's whether you're... uh, uh, explicit sinner, or whether you're doing your Catholicism your own way. The theme song of everybody in hell is I did it my way. huh? And you can be a righteous person that goes to church every Sunday, but if it's only doing it your way and you won't follow and it's not doing your way, you'll go to hell just as fast as a transsexual who's doing all those things. Everybody must repent to come to Jesus Christ. To be saved, we must repent to do it God's way. So, the teaching, the church can change its teaching for various reasons, but only if God is leading in that. But sometimes, you know, God, God's the one that says sin is sin, and we can never, ever say something that is sinful is not sinful, you get it? So, there's always the... Uh, pastoral way to deal with people but there's also the need to call people to repentance again years ago I had a couple that were moving from uh, California to um, Erie and so he emailed me and he says him and his husband uh, two gay people were moving to Erie and they asked me if they would be accepted in my church and I responded immediately and I says you will absolutely be welcomed in my church But you, just like everybody else, will be called every day to repentance. And then the man responded to me and he says, Father, as I type this out, I am weeping because exactly that's what I wanted to hear. We accept everybody, you know, all these years dealing with kids, everybody in their sin, everybody in their garbage, everybody in their addictions, but we're always calling them to deeper repentance. The Lord is always calling me to deeper repentance. Oh my gosh. You know, I sometimes just want him to shut up. I can't, you know, he's always telling me how I got to keep changing. I got to keep changing. I <laughs> Oh, Jesus, I'm trying, I'm open, But I know he loves me even when I don't do that. So uh, even though when I don't, I'm not successful, I keep getting up and going. So God loves everybody. There isn't a person God doesn't love as they are, but he loves them too much to leave them where they are because where they are can... Um, can kill them forever so he's constantly calling people to repentance to new life so again the teaching the church can change a a, a lot of its teaching you can't change all its teaching but it can change a lot of its teaching but it has to be where god is leading us and some things just can't change okay the best little phrase there you go animals cannot sin so god has a place for them that's one way of looking at it margaret Uh, the pure joy, My pet must go to heaven. There you go. Okay, I got to get out of here. So, uh, I will be talking to you next week from Orlando, Florida. I'm hoping, I'm guessing, uh, unless it gets crazy, uh, but it should happen. But if not, they'll send you a thing saying we can't do the podcast this week. But please pray for me and pray pray for the people that I'm speaking to. One more thing. Um, I was talking to the... um, the tour agency we're going to Poland with in, uh, the, in September, and there's only six spaces left. So we have 39 people right now, uh, and there's 45 the bus can hold. So if you're interested, you're going to have to jump on that tour very fast, okay? So I would do that as soon as possible, just go to uh, put uh, um, Father Larry Richards Tour to Poland and you will find everything you need to know. Uh, it's a fantastic time. I encourage you, if you've been weighing back and forth, pull the trigger, come. We're going to have a fine time. So we'll see you all next week. Remember, I'm praying for you every day in my masses, and my prayers, and I ask you to please pray for me. I love you, and God willing, we'll see you next week. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit,